If you like the podcast, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at What Happens in the Crypt. We're also on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. This is the latest disclosure in a report from National Civil Defense Headquarters in Washington. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. A widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes, morgues, and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. Hey there, flesh eaters, ghouls, undead, and corpses. Welcome to episode 14 of What Happens in the Crypt. Today we're talking about George Romero's, RIP by the way, 1968 masterpiece, Night of the Living Dead. There are a lot of taglines for this one, basically just because it's been re-released so many different times, but this one is my favorite. No love story, no hero, no heroine, no message, no questions, no answers, just terror. Just terror. <laughs> Which gnaws at your very being. This was George A. Romero's first time directing a feature film. Trigger warnings for this movie include gore and violence, and obviously it's like a zombie movie, so there's also cannibalism, people eating people. A little more extreme than your regular everyday violence. And this movie is black and white, so in my opinion, the gore is like quite a bit less unsettling because it's not like actually bloody. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's so keep that in mind. However, at the time of its release, audiences found some scenes so disturbing and upsetting that they left the theater. Yeah, because yeah, this was from you know the '60s, so there's there was no. Tarantino movies, there's no Saw, kill, saw. there's no Kill Bills, <laughs> right. there's no people getting, you know, chopped in half or, you know, it just wasn't a thing yet. This movie follows a group of strangers hunkered down in an old abandoned home trying to survive an onslaught of undead people eaters. Can they survive long enough to be saved or will they become the ghoul's next meal? Should I change this to people eaters? <laughs> No, I like that. Purple people eaters. (laughs) It sounds like a very 60s thing to say. These people eaters. Purple people eater. Pigeon toad undergrowth lion purple people eater. Is that the word? That's somewhat. Wow. Pigeon toad overgrowth lion purple people eater. Sure looks strange to me. Sure looks strange to me. (laughs) Wow. This movie opens with Barbara and her brother at a cemetery to visit a grave, and they're just kind of messing around, and he's teasing her when they see, like, a weird dude, like, in the cemetery, and he has that iconic line. You're still afraid. Stop it now, I mean it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Yeah, it is. It's really funny, like that. That line is so iconic. It's just like the way he says it. But like, yeah, even, weird. even like, I didn't see this movie for the first time until like a couple years ago, and I still knew that scene. And My dad that says part. this out of context all the time. <laughs> yeah. Even when I was a kid, I remember like we'd go play tag, and he'd, you know, <laughs> he'd play with us because he was a stay-at-home dad, and he would 
Just say that. Or, like, we'd be playing hide-and-seek. That's funny, though, for hide-and-seek. Yeah. The lurking person being... Ghoul. Ghoul eventually comes over to them, and with almost no resistance, knocks her brother over and knocks him unconscious. After a little bit of a scuffle, she manages to escape this strange man, and she ends up at this seemingly abandoned house. Shortly after her arrival, she is met by another person who has happened upon the house, Ben. Now that Ben has arrived at the house, uh, Barbara pretty much falls into that, like, maybe original trope of damsel in distress in a zombie movie, where she's just completely inconsolable and is just waiting around for him to protect her. She's pretty useless. She she's doesn't totally do useless. Anything. He does all the fighting, like, he even goes outside and fights them with the crowbar, and she's just sitting on the couch. She's so upset about her brother. <laughs> He grabbed me, and he ripped at me. He held me, and he ripped at my clothes. I think you should just calm down. Oh, oh, I screamed, Johnny! Johnny, help me! Oh, help me! Ben is trying to barricade the house so that these things can't make their way inside, and Barbara has just a, I guess you would call it like a mental breakdown. And she's talking about how her brother is out there and she has to, just now has to go back and try to find him and try to get him, even though it's been a little while. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she's trying to rip the boards down and then Ben's kind of like holding on to her saying, you can't do, like basically (laughs) just shaking her, like you can't do this, we'll die if you go out there. Uh And that's when she first slaps him across the face, uh-huh. even though he's the only reason she's alive. But then he slaps her back. And she faints. <laughs> and she faints. We have to go out and get Johnny. He's out there. Please, don't you hear me? We've got to go out and get him. Please! We have got to go get Johnny! Please help me! Please! Don't you know what's going on out there? This is no Sunday school picnic. Don't you understand? My brother is alone! However, I think, like, for a movie of this time, the way that she is reacting is really regular for like any trauma in a movie is that the woman would be so upset and so freaked out by something bad happening that they were unable to function because it's not even until more recent horror movies and dramas that women are way more uh put together (laughs) and like badass from a film standard yeah um so that makes sense even though it seems so ridiculous because obviously it came out in the 60s to compare it to like a woman in a horror movie in 2020 but i think it's pretty accurate for then after the scene with Ben and Barbara, she's resting on the couch, and two men kind of emerge from the basement. And they've been hunkered down there with their wives and the one daughter, and they just finally came up to see what was going on upstairs. The two men are Harry and Tom, Harry being the older of the two. Tom this is the robot. <laughs> I was about to just say, Tom, played by Keith Wayne. Not a great actor. He never did anything else after this. His IMDb profile is a still from this movie. I feel like he was just randomly around, maybe like helping out with the filming, and they were just like, we need someone to play this character. Yes. What, now, did, what did you call him when we watched this? 
like a video game term? Oh, an NPC. I yeah. called. It, I refer to him <laughs> as an NPC. Yeah, because he just, he just kind of like, he never. He there's no emotion behind what he says. He's just like, I have to go do this now. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, now this is what's going on. <laughs> okay. Yes, I'll go. <laughs> and it's just like, oh. Whoa. Remind me what NPC is. Non-player character. Okay. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're playing a video game, and then it's just like that random NPC. It's just like a random robot that's just walking into a yeah. wall over and right. over again because it doesn't know any better. That's so accurate. <laughs> yeah, he just does whatever he's told, and he's like, "I will." <laughs> oh no! They're oh like... no! Here the zombies come. Uh, <laughs> so he gets blown up, obviously. <laughs> Harry's character is kind the hiding in the basement is kind of like to tell the 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 way Harry is in this movie. He he claims to be doing everything he can to protect his family, but literally at any cost. He doesn't care really what happens to anyone right. else. He's written so realistically. Like I don't it's hard to come up with the exact words to describe his character, but everyone has met this person before. Yeah. That's just truly just like deep down a huge asshole <laughs> and it really puts up a front to try and pretend like they care yeah. or And he's the, he thinks he should be in charge mm -hmm. no matter what. His he thinks everybody should listen to him even if his plan is a terrible one. Right. Yes, let's go underground where there's only one way in and one way out. <laughs> Later on in the movie, we meet um, Helen and Judy, who are the two men's respective wives, girlfriends, and also Karen, who is Harry and Helen's daughter, who was bit at some point before they made it to the house and is now sick in the basement. We forgot to mention one more character who is upstairs and remains unnamed throughout the whole movie, but there is that body that uh, Ben finds? I think Ben finds, yeah. Yeah, Ben finds in the upstairs, and it's just this, like, mangled corpse that, for some unexplained reason, isn't a ghoul. Right. <laughs> you never really find out what happens, but um, apparently it's rumored that George Romero made that, and you can... It's all you only see it for like a brief second, but it, supposedly like the eyes are made of painted ping pong balls yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's very cheap. <laughs> yeah. While all this is going on, they have a radio that is working in the house, and it is playing this broadcast that um so a large group of men from like the larger city in the area have got together with some of the government officials to form basically like a posse. It's just a group of guys with guns. Right. But they're basically going around and killing any ghouls they can find and trying to save whoever they can. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. And a little later it's mentioned that they're on their way to the city that they happen to be in. Or was it one that's close? I think it's close. Because yeah. none, no one that's at the house is from that yeah. area, and so they're trying to figure out where yeah, it is. That's right. They ultimately decide to uh, make a little bit of a break for it to head for the city. So Tom and Ben decide to head for the truck that is out of gas, and they're going to try and take it to the gas station. No, no, there's a gas, sorry, there's a gas pump right in the backyard by the barn. So okay. they're heading to the gas pump, and then Judy goes with and them. And then Judy, last minute, like, can't leave Tom. Yeah, she can't. <laughs> I can't leave him. Of course, whatever. <laughs> right. But 
And then also during this, Harry is throwing Molotov cocktails out of the window to try to set some of these zombies on fi- ghouls on fire. <laughs> yeah, you have to say ghouls. I'm just going to censor every time I just say zombie. <laughs> ben in the scene is the only, like, badass. Because he's, he's, like, running out with a torch and right. smacking them. And he's the only one really fighting. Before they actually go to the pump, Ben even, like, hops into the back of the truck. And he's still, like, fighting off these ghouls while they're trying to stop him. It's pretty badass. <laughs> and then they make the... St- Stupid mistake of they're filling up the truck, and then there's fire next to it. Right. <laughs> and what could possibly go wrong? If you overfull a gas tank with gasoline near flames, and then you, then you light it on fire. <laughs> Morons. The truck, of course, gets totally engulfed in flames. Both Tom and Judy are totally Cooked. donezo. <laughs> This key won't work. Watch it. Watch the torch. Ben, who was not in the truck yet, he makes his way back to the house. And all the zombies, because all the zombies are distracted by some now sweet, sweet barbecue for them. (laughs) And this is one of the, like, this is the goriest scene in the movie. Because uh, they're actually, like, picking apart the bodies. Like, one's walking away with, like, an arm. Right. Some are just (laughs) getting guts. It's pretty this one's this scene is like and, the gross one. And this is pretty much the first time you realize that they are actually eating people. So Yeah, it's the first time you actually see it cuz there's the broadcast that's happening where mm-hmm. they're mentioning it, but you don't really ever see it right. until now. And I believe they used actual animal guts for a lot of it. Yeah, they used like um leftovers from a local butcher shop that they got for free and had them yeah, actually biting into that stuff. Oh, so, like, guts gosh. and, like, bad cuts of meat and whatever else. I mean, it looked good. Yeah, it looked gross. Debatably the most iconic, but definitely the scariest scene in this movie um, follows Helen, who's in the basement taking care of Karen, and she stumbles over something and she ends up yeah some sort of weird fall and karen ends up stabbing her to death with like a uh, shovel like a gardening shovel and it is very graphic and it's very creepy yeah because she doesn't fully understand what's going on right she like her daughter's been unconscious for a while and then all out of nowhere gets up without saying a word and then just stab cuz she also stabs her a lot. Yeah, like d- It's not just once yeah, and then double she's digits. Done. Yeah, double digits.
And at the same time that this is happening, there's a scuffle between Harry and Ben upstairs. Yeah, and the scene is crazy, too, because Harry is such a dick. He's like, such a dick. He just thinks that he needs the gun. He should be the one in charge. And as they scuffle over it, Ben ends up shooting him and killing him. But he deserves it. Like He does. Ben is clearly the in the right. He 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 was one of the first ones there. He was the one that was boarding up the windows before anybody. He found the gun. He's the one that's been shooting it the whole time. He's been protecting everybody. And Harry almost throughout the whole movie is just like, no, we should just go in the basement and hide. Right. I'm going to lock you guys out if I have to. He's a little rat. He's a little, he's a little rat. So Harry, like, stumbles down the basement steps, and in his, like, dying moments, he sees Karen eating his wife because she has become a ghoul as well. What a way to go. Yeah. (laughs) And that's where that scene is, where she's, like, lurching forward with, like, her arms outstretched. Yeah. Is when Harry is at the bottom of the steps. In the midst of the chaos of Harry being shot, of Karen becoming a ghoul and murdering her mother, uh, Barbara also gets taken by the zombie horde that's, like, slowly breaking into the house. And, of course, who grabs her but Johnny, who is now a ghoul, and he grabs her and pulls her into the crowd. It's pretty scary. Yeah, how appropriate that is. Yeah. (laughs) In that moment, you don't quite recognize that it's him at first, and then you do, and it's like you realize at the same time Barbara does, and it's just like she is gone. Yeah, I mean, it could have it could have been a child ghoul, and she would have still been gone. Oh yeah, she's, she she's not a strong. She wasn't strong fighting woman. <laughs> back. Everything up until this point, including the Barbara and Johnny scene in the cemetery, that was like the beginning or like the noon of the day, and everything that happened that night, that was all the same day. So now this is the following morning. This is the start of a new day. And the day starts with the posse is now getting closer and closer to this home. Yeah, they're like slowly um, plowing through ghouls (laughs) that are in the fields near this farmhouse. And um, as they're approaching the house, we see that Ben has locked himself in the basement. um, And he can hear scuffling outside. But of course, he's not sure if it's more ghouls or what's going on. And he decides to come out. Yeah, and like his you know, locked in the basement, all that, it's, like, warranted. Like, he he is now alone, and there were dozens of ghouls. Yeah, they he, took was, over the they house. They took over the house. There was no way he could have fought them off. Unfortunately, though, he goes to the upper level of the home with the gun and pokes his head out the window. And, of course, after such a wild night, he doesn't look very well-rested or normal, Or is moving like a regular person should, and it leads to, like, the most jarring ending of a movie. And sad. It's heartbreaking. I'm always so bummed. I always, like, forget. I, like, block it out. But um, the posse approaches the house. They see Ben through the window, and they go, oh, there's another one. Take him out. And he gets shot in the head. Dies instantly after after all all of that. After that whole night. To check out the house. Somebody had a cookout here, Vince. Yeah, it sure looks like it. Tom. Out of here and throw it on the fire. Nothing down here. All right, go ahead down and give him a hand. Let's go check out the house. Vince. There's something there. I heard a noise. All right, Vince, hit him in the head, right between the eyes. 
good shot. Okay, he's dead. Let's go get him. That's another one for the fire. It's so good, but it's so sad. Ben was played by Dwayne Jones, also R.I.P. Um, he was the first black actor cast as the lead in a horror movie, and his character was initially supposed to be a truck driver, like, redneck-type character, but Dwayne convinced uh, George Romero to make his character more educated. Yeah, he was supposed to just be kind of like a simple country folk kind of guy and just, you know, the typical uneducated um, minority character. Right, and in interviews, Romero has said that picking him as the lead wasn't meant to be, like, a statement about race. He just happened to be the best actor that came out for the role, and so and they picked him. The he's best, awesome. He's the best actor in the movie. <laughs> yeah. He's basically the leader of this movie. He is strong, commanding, and does basically all of the heavy lifting and fighting. This was a very rare concept in the 60s for a black man, especially in a basically all-white movie directed by a white man. Ahead of its time, for sure. It, yeah. It was it was ahead of its time pretty much just on accident. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> I guess on accident is not the best way to put it, because at this time there were many directors that would just wouldn't hire black men. Right. So, I mean, George Romero was ahead of his time without even, you know, just yeah. by not being a racist piece yeah. of garbage, <laughs> by being a decent human right. being, but still. We're like, wow, amazing. He just wasn't racist. He just wasn't <laughs> racist. What a breath of fresh air. Barbara was played by Judith O'Day. Um, and say what you will about her character in this movie, she's also a great actress, and she does a really good job portraying the, like, in-shock PTSD woman who's lost her family, her yeah. brother. I mean, you know, in the movie, you're like, what? Come on, do something. You can't just faint at everything. <laughs> but it's like, you're only mad and upset because she's really selling it. Right. <laughs> Harry was played by Carl Hardman, and his wife, Helen, was played by Marilyn Eastman. Karen was played by Kyra Schoen. Apologies if I said that wrong. <laughs> And she didn't act much after this beyond, like, occasionally reprising her role in a weird cameo appearance to be Karen. But I did find it really funny that um, in her, like, bio on various websites, it lists that she used to do a weekly feature for the horror channel called Ghoulish Guidance. <laughs> and it was a satirical advice column for zombies and other people. Tom was played by Keith Wayne, and then Judy was played by Judith Ridley. As we mentioned before, yeah, Tom didn't do too much acting after this, <laughs> or before this, or ever, I guess. Right. <laughs> this movie came out way before CGI and even stop motion were super common, so all of the fire explosions... All the fire explosions? I mean... I should just say all the accurate. explosions. All, uh, explosions all. have fire. It's not a nice explosion. So all the explosions and fires were practical. That they were, especially on such a low-budget movie. Like, they they didn't have time for, you know, the high-end, top-of-the-line production stuff. It was just, like, the chair they set on fire, that was a chair that was on fire. Yeah, I saw a behind-the-scenes thing as well that said that um, because the fires were practical and they weren't really done super safely, that at one point someone that was a ghoul did get caught on fire and somebody had to stop, drop, and roll them. <laughs> This is an older movie, obviously, being made in 1968, but they did have color film back then. 
the reason why this is black and white is because it was cheaper to do black and white back then, and the budget was very, very slim on this movie. Right. They started off with like a a budget of like six thousand, but they ended up finding sponsors that grew it to like a hundred and fourteen thousand. Which still is a it's a tiny budget, especially shooting on film. You gotta get. Oh, t- tons and tons of roles, and then you got to get those roles developed, and then basically all your budget is going to that, especially on a, you know, there's a lot of actors, a lot of extras. It's, yeah, that's what the budget's going to. You don't, and it, it's an interesting choice to make it black and white. I actually like that it's black and white. Yeah, me too. It wouldn't have the same effect if it was in color, I think. There was actually a photographer on set taking some behind-the-scenes photos, and it's funny because the -the behind-the-scenes pictures are actually in color, and it kind of gives you, like, a whole new look at it, almost. Yeah, it almost makes it way more, like, peppy (laughs) than it is in black and white, like, knowing that, like, she's wearing a bright blue dress, and she was actually in red, because you can't tell at all, obviously, in black and white. Yeah, it would have been a complete... It would have had a completely different, like, feel, and the characters would have been... they would have been the same characters, but it would have just felt different. And we're actually going to post some of those photos on uh, our Instagram. So make sure you follow at mm-hmm. what happens in the crypt on yep. Instagram and you can see some of those. Since it was in black and white, this allowed them to use uh, different kinds of things as far as makeup goes. So they actually used chocolate syrup for blood because it was the right texture and consistency. Mm-hmm. And, and black like, and white. Yeah. And like we mentioned, the the meat <laughs> and the the people that they're eating was actually just random cuts from a butcher which of course if that was in color would be hard to pass as like a person yeah because it's not going to be like this the correct skin tone yeah and exactly all that stuff. it's gonna you're gonna be like well that's really red for a human part like a human arm but yeah the black and white that's funny though chocolate syrup <laughs> but you know you you're like covered and then you're just like wow i'm delicious yeah but then you're accidentally eating like a ham when you have chocolate syrup in your mouth <laughs> at the same time those are good actors though. dedication because <laughs> i would not i don't know if i could keep a straight face while i'm eating chocolatey meat all the costumes for the ghouls were thrifted or they had the extras actually bring in their own clothes classic low budget <laughs> You can really tell that the first few zombies that you see were much lower budget than the later zombies. You can tell that they just kind of had a little bit of face paint. Like they were like made a little more pale and then they had some darkening around the eyes and that was it. Right. It's like what a five-year-old does to look like a zombie for Halloween. It's just like white face, black eyes. (laughs) But then later in the movie, you can see that they stepped up their game, so to say. Yeah, for all of the wounds and the cuts, they used mortician's wax. That's cool. Which is definitely an early special effects makeup tool, for sure. And the house where the movie takes place, um, and they are defending themselves from the undead, was actually a real house set for demolition. So George Romero and the crew had complete free reign to alter it however they wanted. And it was shot right outside of Pittsburgh. They actually had to clean up the house to make it look as nice as it did because they said it was like it was literally about to be torn down yeah. so it was like destroyed on the inside right. like stuff was thrown about like and an interesting note is that basement that house didn't have a basement that was just a door so anytime like it doesn't show them going from one room to 
the basement because it didn't exist. The basement was actually also shot in Pittsburgh. It was just a separate location. But that it's just kind of funny to think about. Yeah. That, you know, they're just pretending <laughs> to be <laughs> right. going downstairs one day. And then the next day, they're literally just in a different part of the city. I feel like that's really common with basement scenes in movies, though. I feel like it's never at the same location. No, it happens all the time. Yeah. We, we talked about it in our in American Werewolf in London episode. Where the outside of the slaughtered lamb was not the inside. Mm -hmm. And also in Evil Dead, the basement was like a friend's parent's house and not actually where they shot the movie, too. In this movie, they never use the word zombie. Um, They only refer to them as ghouls, which is comical to me for some reason. (laughs) It's just a strange term to use, but it works really well. Yeah, ghouls, or I think the, over the radio they're called like flesh eaters or something. Right. Yeah, that too. But never zombies. Never zombies. Ghouls. Zombies wasn't a common phrase yet back then in 1968. In 1968 when this movie was released, I believe it was the last year or the second to last year where there was no rating system yet. So when this movie came out, anybody could see it. You know, right. you could you 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 and your other thirteen year old buddy could go to the movie theater and see Night of the Living Dead. Right, you could bring your five year old. <laughs> this also caused a lot of people to freak out about this movie because, you know, you're sitting at home family dinner and little Johnny comes home. He's like, "Mom, I saw this movie today." <laughs> right, <laughs> and it freak everybody out. This freaked adults out. As we said before, the budget was somewhere around one hundred fourteen thousand. This movie ended up making over $18 million worldwide. Which is totally crazy. And both of these are 1968 money. Right. So, I mean, 114000 is something. I, I saw a figure it was something like 800000 or something right. like that. That's still so, even small for today's That is small cost. for today's, and that is a lot of money even in today's. So. Yeah. There are a lot of visible cuts throughout the movie and a few instances where mouths don't quite line up with the dialogue. But honestly, I don't feel like these things are too noticeable unless you're looking really hard. Um, One of the times where a cut is noticeable, however, is in the basement where Harry and Helen are talking. And Harry actually cuts from facing the camera to having his back to the camera. Um, Apparently several minutes of dialogue were cut. They said somewhere between six and eight minutes were cut out of this scene. That's crazy. That's such a long time. I know, it is. And it's because the executives said that it was just too much talking. They wanted back to the action. Some of the movie took longer to shoot than expected and had to be shot in the winter. And the actors had to actually take quicker, shallower breaths to mask the fact that it was freezing. Because obviously, this ready-to-be-demolished house was not insulated. (laughs) Yeah, and also part of it is outside. I believe the last scenes shot were when Barbara and her brother were at the graveyard. Oh, okay. So when they're actually outside and it's like December and it's in Pittsburgh, so. Right. (laughs) It's cold just like it is here. Yeah. So, you know, be like 20, 30 degrees and they're not wearing winter attire. Right. I wouldn't say that this is so much like a goof or a mishap, but it is. You'll notice it because I notice it every time. The fact that there was obviously no stunt coordinator. There weren't stunt fighters. There was no real fight training in this movie (laughs) right and you can tell anytime ben is going up to like hit a zombie with a crowbar it's he's like actually swinging it really slow or when they're like punching 
it's almost like an old episode of Power Rangers where you can (laughs) see that they're like three feet away. Yeah, that they're just full stopping. Yeah, and there's just like no actual momentum or force. Or sometimes it's just like a straight arm punch. Like there's just like, "Eh," you (laughs) know, but it kind of... I, I'm saying it's not like a goof or a mishap or something bad because it it also it's the like 1960s so it makes it it kind of dates it a little bit but it's not it's yeah. not awful and I don't think that any fighting scenes in movies of this time were significantly better as far as like they didn't want to show that kind of stuff in movies so there are 52 deaths in total in this movie I, think I w- that's our new record right I think so yeah because that's higher than American World in London. I wish I was diligent enough to count the actual zombies, but thank you, internet. Um, There are five men, eight women, 38 zombies, and one bug. That little cricket. The zombie eats it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just grabs it. Little snack. I personally really love this movie. Um, When you think about classic horror, this is definitely the one that pops directly to the front of my brain. I think for the time and for what it is, it still really holds up really well and it's a good movie. It lags a little bit, and the dialogue definitely is not current, but still a really good watch. It's so ahead of its time in so many aspects, from being basically the first zombie movie without ever saying the word, giving a lead main role to a minority, and and having that character actually be intelligent and like a leader that people right. could look up to was a big deal. This is why this this movie will always be a classic. And it, we mentioned earlier that there's so many remasters of this movie, but there needs to be. People need to keep seeing it. Right. You need to keep being reminded that it exists. Now, I wouldn't say there is a color remaster. I don't know if you need to go watch that. Yeah. But definitely watch this movie. Even if you're not that into horror movies, this is still a movie that you should watch. So you can watch this on Shudder, and I believe it's still on Tubi, but it's not too hard to find this one if you give it a Google. For our next episode, we're going to take a little bit of a different turn in horror. I think our first Alien movie. Is it? I think so. What? What are you talking about? What other one did we do? Killer clowns from outer oh. space. <laughs> Dang. That's about clowns. That's not aliens. Uh, they're aliens. <laughs> they just happen to look like clowns. Okay. So we are going to be talking about the 1996 Tim Burton movie, Mars Attacks. Oh, I love this movie. It's been so long since I've watched it. Gave me so many nightmares as a kid. We'll go, we'll go into that more. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You got to give me your best. You have to go first. Oh, no. You were supposed to practice I while I was at okay. work today. <laughs> I'm just going to put the sound in. I'm sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Now I'll put the sound in. This is what it actually sounds like. <laughs> I saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had a one long horn and one big eye. I commenced to shake him and I said, Ooh, it looks like a purple people leader to me. It was a one night one.